I really wanted to do our normal thing where I include a little funny clip of us chatting before and then cut to intro music, but the sad fact this week is that uh, literally no one was funny. So um, yeah, I hate us too. you most recently by NPR. My name is Robert Sharkey, and I am joined today by Aaron and Rachel. Aaron, Rachel, could you please tell me something that only white people in the suburbs could care about? Yeah, no, thanks for that wonderful introduction. I, I feel so happy to be here. You know, I listen to your show every day, and every day I just, you know, I need that little burst of positivity in my day as I uh, have to commute through really, really dangerous neighborhoods where sometimes I see an ethnic restaurant. I think one thing for people to keep in mind is you know, Starbucks stores are starting to unionize, which you know, I, sounds like a good thing in practice, but uh, often leads to those stores shutting down. So maybe we should be anti-union. Thanks, Aaron. Uh, this is Rachel. Um, I would like everyone to keep their dogs off of my nice green lawn. I have a no pooping sign, and that should be respected. Thank you. I think Whoa. that is one of the biggest challenges facing cities in America today is the dog pooping situation. Well, well said by both of you. Right now, we'll go to our uh, commercial fundraising drive, and on our next segment, we'll be joined by Richard Spencer and Benjamin Netanyahu to talk to us about the Jewish question. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, Rachel, let's just switch out the show now. Wait, hold on. I thought that's why I was here to, to talk about the Jewish question. With Are you? Which one of you is Richard Spencer and which one's Benjamin Netanyahu? Oh, God. Uh, I feel like for the sake of laughs, I should be Richard Spencer. Absolutely. And that way, Rachel can put on Jew face. Thanks, Aaron. You're welcome. Oh, so yes, hello, ahoy, shout out to all my Chechens. <laughs> you know, ahoy, yeah, that's how they say hello. <laughs> Just thinking of NoHo Hank from Barry right now, that's all that's popping into my head. So for today's episode, it might be a little bit shorter than normal, but that's no. okay. We'll call it a little bit of a mini-sode, but I spent seven hours watching a show, <laughs> so now you guys get to hear all about it, and that's the sacrifice I made for you this week. <laughs> was that show uh, the the new Predator movie over and over again? No, not oh. yet. Okay. Have you seen it? Yeah, it's good. Okay, it's fun. Cool. Um, I I recommend watching the Comanche dub because that's a cool touch. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Speaking of movies, I watched the first 30 minutes of Licorice Pizza today, knowing you hate it, Aaron, assuming that I would then enjoy it and it would be a gleeful, airheaded romp through teenagerdom. And um, it wasn't. I didn't like yeah. it. No, because <laughs> that director is a joyless, joyless human being. Yeah. yeah. He, there, was a, there was some movie that he came out with uh, a few years ago that people liked. But it was set in the seven. It was another movie set in the seventies, and also about teenagers. And I was like, "This, this can't be good." 
but people like that that goddamn licorice pizza ran it at the the redacted theater and redacted for like three damn months and they kept bringing it back it's a very redacted movie i'm i'm i guess so i get that makes sense it's it's set in la and they all moved up here yes yes and it's yeah not even LA, the San Fernando Valley, which can go fuck itself. That's the official I, stance of this podcast. Is that where the porn is made? Is that where they grow the porn? <laughs> that, okay. that is where they grow the porn. <laughs> says right on the sign when you drive in. Yeah. <laughs> welcome, to, welcome to the porn basket of America. <laughs> so what show did you watch, Rachel? <laughs> anyway, thanks. Uh, yeah, yeah, so. No problem. Well, before we get into that, um, how do you feel about snowflakes? Uh, just snowflakes in general uh, no connotation oh 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 the things that fall from the sky uh i don't see enough of them anymore i like them and i am sure in five years when it no longer is cold i will look back (laughs) upon the day when there were occasional snowfalls when it used to be cold sometimes well here we go I grew up in Hawaii, so I'm stoked on global warming. Fuck Aaron. I just <laughs> desire to stay cold. <laughs> Hawaii. So what would happen? It, just assume, okay? You are in a uh, Roland Emmerich movie, and it starts snowing in Hawaii because the world is ending, because aliens put a giant black thing in front of the sun, blocking the mist. They pulled a Burns. They pulled a Burns. <laughs> There's something blocking the sun. Now there's snow in Hawaii. What happens in Hawaii? Um, I think that the, in my experience, where I grew up in Hawaii is a small town full of oh. insane people, none of them <laughs> Hawaiian. So I think that everyone in that town has truly been prepared for this. <laughs> the day they lost their goddamn mind <laughs> they've already tunneled into the volcanoes yes every person in that town has like a blowfeld bunker yeah. already <laughs> and i think everyone's just immensely grateful that they no longer have to be like disproportionately insane to reality yeah that, that, is, that has nothing to do with any hawaiian people it's exclusively the white people in the town i grew up in <laughs> Just disclaimer. Yeah, it's important clarification there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So today we are going to be talking about the new show on Netflix called Snowflake Mountain. Have you heard of it? <laughs> Is this a sequel to Stardew Valley? <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> Have you seen it? Have you seen a trailer? Have you heard anything about it? I haven't turned on Netflix since they took off Deep Space Nine. Excellent. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was my Deep Space Nine delivery system, and now they took that away. I have no further use for Netflix. <laughs> I might check out Sandman, but that's a movie. <laughs> this, Shark, is the week, this is the week when both Aaron and I get exposed right after the Warhammer episode. Yeah. We know like fucking forty thousand words about Warhammer and haven't seen a TV show that other people have watched. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. What do you mean this was made in the last five years and is not an esoteric <laughs> film? Well, I am here to enlighten you today. Okay. Very nice. So first, I'm going to talk about the word snowflake origins, and then we're going to get into the show. 
Yes. Snowflake snow state. Just are. imagine you have snow falling around you. It's a nice, calm, dark winter evening. Yeah. So I was surprised, not surprised, to learn that it was the word snowflake was used as far back as the 1860s to refer to people in Missouri who opposed the abolition of slavery. Fuck yes. <laughs> yeah. Just <Remember>? some- <laughs> Just some Quaker dude in a hat with a buckle being like, you fucking snowflake confederate. God, that's great. I, that makes sense. That would be like, if it, if it is in fact a Quaker, they were the only people in America who were opposed to slavery. Yeah. Even Jews were in favor of it. So no, opposed the abolition of slavery. Oh, and opposed the abolition. Oh, yeah, so they were the like valuing the white people over the black people. It was, a, it was an insult for people who opposed the abolition of slavery. So it was no, it wasn't even an insult. It was just like uh, that's they were like the people who opposed abolition of slavery were referred to as snowflakes. Ah, uh, is that because they were so white that they wanted slavery? Yes. Hey, look at me. <laughs> this is see, Rachel. I and and well, Shark. I don't feel like I need to tell you this, but this is why uh, you should restrict yourself from reading anything written before 1900 until you are in college. Because if you do that, you will be able to, like Sherlock Holmes, just immediately develop an accurate theory of what uh, ancient insults mean. <laughs> so that's the old definition in 2016 snowflake generation was one of collins english dictionary's 2016 words of the year not surprising (laughs) it was defined yeah it was defined as the young adults of the 2010s viewed as being less resilient and more prone to taking offense than previous generations (laughs) i love that shit that's my fucking favorite thing in the whole world yeah and jokes on them because I feel like you had a better chance of weathering COVID lockdowns and the George Floyd up- uprising if you were in that generation. Yeah. I, I feel like mm-hmm. overall, you fare better. We had this very funny thing with my parents in law who, like, very often were like, you know, we just like worried that we might have like raised you kids too soft. Like, you guys are just part of like a like a like a like like life might have been too easy for your generation like it just like we just didn't think about it like that and then for like two months we were texting them like you know i didn't die at the hands of some crazed member of the bpb tonight here's my new four inch gash on my arm and after that like we saw them the next time after the redacted protests and they were like you know we don't worry about that anymore yeah that's that's funny like my fuck up old people my uh my mom was all about me going out and like you know doing things and then my dad was like are you sure that's smart i just i don't know if that that's something you should do and i was like it's what the hell else am i supposed to do and he goes i just think you're like eight years old (laughs) <laughs> and then you flash forward to uh, earlier this this year, where we're talking about the events in Ukraine, and he goes, "Yeah, if I were younger and I didn't have a mortgage, I would go. I like I'd go out there and fight on the front lines." I'm like, "Yeah, I'm I'm sure you would." And like the subtle dig of like, "Well, what what do you do? Oh, don't you have friends out there?" 
Like, actually, yes, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Providing valuable moral support so they don't lose their goddamn minds. <sighs> so yeah, that's where we get Snowflake Generation. And now it's been simply shortened to Snowflake. And so, like I said, it was the defining insult of the 2016 elections in the US and the UK, and it's continued to exist in the political zeitgeist. In 2019, on Christmas Eve, the Trump campaign launched a website full of talking points intended to help Trump supporters win arguments with that liberal <laughs> snowflake relative. I think you guys might remember when that came out. I, I don't, actually. No? Okay. No. Oh, can you, can you share some with us? No, I don't have it. I don't have any of those uh, well, talking luckily points. Luckily for you, both Shark and I are terminally online. <laughs> and uh, let's see if we can find this. How to win arguments. Yeah, I started no. watching a video of, there's a video of some woman that they have on that website, and I couldn't get past like five seconds. It's an online so. class, snowflakevictory.com. I am definitely going to put this on private browsing. No, it's not <laughs> called snowflakevictory.com. According real? to Fox News. Oh, God, this is terrible. Mm -hmm. it, it, all right, it just, that, come on. There appears to be no functionality. Uh -oh. Nope. It is just a a static image reading Snowflake Victory. Um, let's see. Trump, let's go to NPR to counterbalance that. Perhaps <laughs> all of that has disappeared a little bit. It's featuring, vi all right. featuring videos on topics from the economy to immigration mm -hmm. and attacks on the media. SnowflakeVictory.com seeks to provide pro-Trump tidbits that can be brought to the holiday Dinner table. According to the website, family holidays, period. Full of love, period. Full of laughter, period. And full of the inevitable conversations with the family liberal who just does not want to believe how great America is doing with President Trump in office. Mm. There is apparently a narrator Pre <laughs> who says President Trump asked for nothing in exchange for lethal mil military aid to Ukraine. <laughs> Oh, it God. is thanks to President Trump that the Ukrainians are getting the aid in the first place. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> A second one that aged incredibly poorly is, quote, impeaching President Trump has always been an election tactic. Democrats have never accepted the results of the last election, so they're trying to interfere with the next one. <sighs> they will never give up. I, uh, oh god that one aged awesome like yeah. a fine wine yeah i'm glad you guys found those because <laughs> i didn't need to be the only one that saw that no <laughs> yeah, oh god the twitter thread about that is oh oh god just don't even start going down that all right, hole. All right. just pull all yourself right. back up all right <laughs> facts are the facts the site says of course always facts are the facts and they don't care about your feelings they don't care about your feelings yep so what else? There's even a Kid Rock song released in 2021, Don't Tell Me How to Live. At one point in the song, he says, what's up with all the backlash? All you snowflakes, here's a newsflash. Ain't gonna tell me how to live. And then proceeds to rip rhymes about participation trophies for children, offended millennials, and fake news outlets. I'll send you guys a John. music link video so you can see it for yourself. 
I saw it, Thank so you. now you have to, too. <laughs> I feel like that could be the subtitle for our podcast. Because <laughs> I saw this, now you have to, too. <laughs> the first two lyrics are, quote, fuck all you hoes, Detroit till I die, motherfucker. And as a Michigan native, I am very embarrassed about that. He, there, oh, God. There, there's another Detroit individual who is a weird one. Uh, if you were like me and spent a lot of time on the Onions AV Club comment section. <laughs> in well, I'm the... glad you directly pivoted this podcast into something <laughs> completely unrelatable yet again. No, 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 no. Uh, there, there was a dude who went by Zodiac Motherfucker <laughs> who makes a big deal about being from Detroit and does not like Kid Rock. I, I don't think he likes it. That's, that's the other connection just shot through my head. Thank you. You're Thank welcome. you for sharing. Yeah. He does refer to himself in the song as a high-risk hillbilly, which is actually really funny. And that's, I mean, that's actually kind of accurate, you know? Like, yeah, that is true. Yeah. He, is, he is a high-risk hillbilly. Yeah. Oh, God. I have so many feelings. But he's about from Kid Detroit. Rock. Is he actually from Detroit? I don't he's from Michigan. From. I, from, okay. Yeah. People say they're from Detroit because they don't want to say where they're actually from. Is he from Ann Arbor? I doubt it. I don't know where he's if from. If he was but... from Ann Arbor, <laughs> <laughs> his parents are professors oh, <laughs> in God. the English department. His you first name is Robert. He's oh. Robert. Oh, you got another Richie. <laughs> RJR up there. RJR spitting truths on the mic. That's what the kids say. Yeah, that is what the kids say. <laughs> oh God! There, he no, was hold born up. very far from Detroit. Like, Not as I'm... far as you can be. He was born in Romeo, can... Michigan. Oh, nice. Okay. Uh, all right. Yeah, Romeo sucks. That makes sense. To, to yeah. continue quoting, I'm like Reverend Run or David Lee Roth, two people who have nothing in common. <laughs> yeah. I like Springsteen, bitch. I'm the motherfucking boss. James Dean, shit. I'm more like Brad Pitt. A a little less pretty, but I slang more dick. <laughs> Wait, he started that... as a rapper. Does that mean he 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 fucks a lot? Is that what that means? That is what that okay. means. All if right. you were that's that's how the kids might okay. say that they fuck a lot if the kids were a mid-50-year-old <laughs> dude from Michigan. Claiming that yeah, all right, yeah okay. We're not yeah. gonna if, I, if anyone ever says that they're from Detroit, they're not from Detroit. I twang more riffs. I slide through grass. I well, rip more lines than a 10-pound bass. <laughs> this has convinced me that I need to pivot this podcast into like a knowledge fight Alex Jones analysis, but about Kid Rock. I need to become the world's greatest Kid Rock expert. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've been getting so much joy in listening to that cross-examination. Oh my god, yeah. It's good. <laughs> I haven't heard it yet. Anyway, I'll I know. send it to you. <laughs> oh, he has a you. song called "My Name Is Robert Too," which I am objectively gonna play when I go up to hit for a major league team. But please <laughs> continue, <laughs> Kid Rock. <laughs> well, that was all I had about Kid Rock. So get get your last. Nah, get the fuck out, out of here. We're gonna end. <laughs> Thanks for coming, guys. That's the end of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh God. Yeah. So as I'm doing this, this research for this podcast, I came across an image on Twitter that pretty much sums up like the whole calling people snowflakes topic says trigger warning, trigger warning snowflakes. Then it has an image of a potato that just says I'm offended by this potato. Yeah. That's right. Wayne humor. Yeah. And I'd also just like to point out that they use an apostrophe S in snowflakes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, snowflakes. It just keeps going on with the traditional right wing humor. Yeah. Wait, hold on. So, Robert, does that mean that you are opposed to the apostrophe S when it's possessive? Or no, no, this is a joke about them not being. Yes. Correct. They would be, they would, they would be referring oh, to snowflakes. <laughs> for whatever reason like this stuff breaks me it's like the it, or when we started off talking about the snow snowflake is like that and i was just like what <laughs> <laughs> i have asserted my dominance over aaron by uh, in this grammar battle i will now take his mfa ah, and wear yeah, it as a championship belt what am I supposed to be superior about? Okay. Are you ready? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, unless you have thoughts on potatoes, do you have potatoes? Oh, potatoes are fucking great. Yes. Are I have many thoughts, yeah, potatoes but are good. I think it, it can right be now. safe, safely said that, uh, it is impossible to be offended by a potato. They, they feed the people. Yeah. They feed the revolution. Literally life-giving. Yes. Comrade potato. Many of my ancestors died from not having enough potatoes nearby. Yeah. Many, many of them. Many, many, many ancestors. Tens of my ancestors were killed by potatoes not being close enough to where they were, geographically speaking. Yeah. And so, you know, latkes are all, that's my connection to potatoes. Yeah. And there's, there's, there's Irish ancestry to get that. No, no, it's Scottish. There's no one from Ireland. Yeah. Yeah. Never mind. (laughs) <laughs> all right so this the show snowflake mountain <laughs> oh yeah on yeah. netflix this is what is we're this talking like about like brokeback today. mountain is this like cold mountain is oh, this no, like that so mountain much more entertaining splash, close mountain. Encounters, splash mountain uh close encounters of the third kind has a mountain in it or is it like the mountain and the hobbit where the dwarves come from it's called the lonely mountain you the lonely mountain swine. <laughs> <laughs> jesus christ None of the above. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> the premise is tense snowflakes, aka young Gen Zers, who are. Is this a reality show? Yes, it is. Yes, oh, it is. No, I hate oh, this so yes. much. And now I get to bring you down this this journey with oh, me. I'm so God. happy. <laughs> so they're. 10 people, 10 young Gen Zers who are lazy, selfish, dependent on their parents. <laughs> Bamboozled into a stint at wilderness camp. Bamboozled. Yeah, they were told they were going to a luxury villa. Yep. So they go to wilderness camp where a pair of military vets turn them turned survival experts are charged with whipping them into shape. Okay. So that that's, means, that's the premise. That I means thought. they they got dishonorably discharged after a week in, in basic training. <laughs> yeah, we'll get it. We'll get into that. I thought that possibly <laughs> the worst piece of research anyone has done for this podcast was when I read all of Vard Vicurin's 
um, tabletop board playing game. Yeah, game. Was, this Nazi yeah. role playing game or the whole fucking thing. Wait, but you read the whole thing? I, I didn't. I, even I downloaded the whole PDF and read that whole motherfucker. You, all right, you gotta upload that to the drive because I still need to read that thing. Upload that to the drive now. Yeah. I thought that was the single worst thing. Not like the Hitler stuff or the Spanish Civil War shit, but far and away, this sounds like the worst <laughs> thing I've heard anyone yeah. have to read or experience for this podcast. Yeah. Well, you, yeah, your sacrifice is greatly appreciated, yeah. Rachel. Support thank the you. troops. Thank you. Yeah. Thank Support you. the troops. We thank you for your service. <laughs> You're gonna put a thin. What, what's your favorite color? Black. I'm gonna put a thin black line flag on <laughs> my laptop. Cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. So on this show, no one gets kicked off. But they do have they do have the option if they want to leave at any point if they decide that they can't or don't want to keep going. But one person will win a cash prize of fifty thousand dollars at the end. However, not nearly enough money to be on reality TV. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what? <laughs> especially for being you know told that you're going to a luxury villa and then yeah you know, you're going to the woods. But anyway, for every person that leaves the show. $5,000 goes with them. So while one person will win the entire pot, it really enforces the idea that everyone has to do well and decide to stay and change or else it fucks everyone else. So I thought that was just something okay. you don't usually see in reality shows or at least these yeah. types of shows. Like usually you would think it would be 5,000 gets added every oh, time someone yeah. leaves. So it's like more cutthroat. Yeah. And so I guess in that way, they do really want the people to work together. I don't probably not. I, I'm sure you're going to blow that idea right out of the water in a moment. Yeah, we'll get there. Yeah. So right off the bat, Snowflake Mountain is, depending on your age, location, and political sympathies, either pandering to you or trolling you. According to the voiceover on the show, a snowflake is a young person who is considered overly emotional, easily offended, and dramatic. And his premise seems tailor-made to support the worldview of the people most likely to use Snowflake as an insult. So the Can show, you describe the yeah. music for the show? Like, what mm. what does it sound? What does the theme song sound like? Is it like butt rock? <laughs> no, I would <laughs> say it's like the intro and like most of the primary music is like um, kind of like majestic sounding, like something that you would imagine is in the intro of like a wilderness documentary. Okay, you know is what it, I mean. Does it sound like Francis Scott Key? Are they trying no. to reference the, the national? No? Okay. I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. So the show was filmed in uh, Cumbria in the northwest of England, but it looks, oh. I thought it was filmed yeah. in Washington. Aaron, you lived in England, right? For a little yeah, while? on the opposite end of the country, like southeast, where okay. like not where it was industrial, so it was still like rolling green pasture type things, uh, but there were no, there, there was barely a hill. It's the it's the size of like one main Aaron. How big could it be? How different can England? Well, you be? see, once you have to drive through London to get to places, then it's massive. And uh, English <laughs> Rail went down the shitter when they privatized it. So, uh, oh, funny how that works, huh? Funny how that works. Yeah, funny how that works. Yeah. It is. Yeah, it's. Uh, yeah, yeah, real good. Mm. All right. Yeah. So yeah, right off the bat, the show is definitely cringy. The hosts are Matt Tate and Joel Graves. And to me, they're older millennials who act like boomers when they react and interact with the things that the contestants do. 
<laughs> so can you like picture those types of people? They're like a little, yeah. they're like on the older side of millennials, but they, yeah, they act like boomers. And it's like, I, there's like a, that happens with every generation. I mean, yeah. And it, it, it's just kind of like a byproduct of, I mean, there's, I mean, you can't control it. It's just like no. when you're born. Yeah. But, but like it, 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 I'm not like saying that you're wrong in your analysis because you, you're not. It's just something I find intriguing because like when I, when I was a kid, Gen X kids were like, oh, cool. And you, you know, like everyone was Janine Garofalo and David, David Cross. <laughs> and, you know, now there's a shitload of assholes, but uh, <laughs> now like millennials are aging into the, the, the range where there's a shitload of assholes because now people have houses and money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they have ties to a horrible system that makes monsters of us all. Yeah, it's a good intro into the um, description of the host. Thank you. You're welcome. And that is why, unfortunately, <laughs> I'm going to have to put you against the wall after Glorious Revolution, Aaron. Yeah, it's fine. Just so, take care of Barry. <laughs> this is the last wish. Just take care of Barry. Yeah. yeah. So Matt Tate served as a combat engineer in the army, took a job with the Oklahoma military department and later became the, the company, the owner of a company that provides training and primitive skills with modern tactics for survival in extreme environments. Joel Graves is a former U S Navy sailor. He served 10 years in the elite bomb squad, the explosive ordnance disposal. And among other things is a certified survival instructor. Uh, In 2018, they both founded the American survival company. Their program uses a combination of combat and survival skills to train individuals, military personnel, and other organizations for potentially dangerous situations. That's what their website said. So to me, on this type of show, I'm actually pretty surprised that their hosts are quite qualified to teach survival and outdoor skills. And it's not just a pair of celebrity hosts that they have in order to boost ratings. Mm-hmm. So okay, that's something. So I'm on the American Survival Company website what do you see uh they look exactly the way i imagined that they would look (laughs) uh yep there we go a netflix series snowflake mountain uh Mm -hmm. customized private training from combat in fallujah to the remote mountains of afghanistan and the jungles of costa rica these guys have definitely done some war crimes. That's what I'm yep. hearing here. <laughs> Meet our founders and expert instructors, Joel Graves, Jacksonville, Florida, and Matt Tate, War Eagle, Arkansas. Wow. That seems like a name for a compound that guy founded. I am very excited for three to five years from now when we find out about all of these guys' horrific sexual assault cases. Because that is yeah. gonna happen. Yeah. Yep, yep. Oh yeah. All right. Well, that that website, despite that weirdness, is not as bad as Norsk, the uh, weird fucking thing that I shared with you on the Vikings episode, Shark. Where they train you to be a Viking. Yeah. Hmm. That seems cool, but I'm it's, sad because it oh, no. sounds bad. No, they 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 listed uh, like Pepsi. Netflix, uh, a couple of NBC affiliates as like forbidden organizations where if you were a part of them or gave them money, you were not allowed to join. (laughs) Okay, right. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right. 
so they they really do make this show as dramatic as they possibly can. The contestants are mostly from the U.S. Two are from the U.K. And their ages range from 19 to 26. So let me just give you a little smidge of a taste of these people. Cue okay. the circus music, please. Okay, Solomon, age 26, loves getting his nails done and having facials, lives off his wealthy parents, is typically fun employed, and wants to be an influencer. Devin, age 19, says she's a bitch, a rebel, a rebel, sorry, and parties 24-7. Deandra, age 24, lives with her parents and two younger sisters, has tried and failed to move out three times, and has also been fired from every job she's ever had. Brandy, age 23, says he tries to avoid walking at all costs and wants to be a professional wrestler. <laughs> Why walk? When you, walk can, when you can when, lay when well that and like i don't know do like forward body rolls onto wherever you're going like a wrestler would the forward body roll i don't know somersault? how wrestling works somersault <laughs> yeah that's the one that's the... unless you're just like rolling like a hot dog which i guess it's not a forward <laughs> body roll but you know. how this is like the first thing where i realized one of the first things I realized I was like getting older. Cause like when, to you. <laughs> when someone says they want to be an influencer, I'm like, what does that mean? Like, what do those words mean in that order? What do you want to do? It's here is my analysis of that. My analysis of that is you wanna you wanna make money on social media by hawking weird fucking products. And living in a fancy house yes yeah yeah you're not far off i would say hawking fancy or like weird products or whatever but then also you can just be like uh promoting clothes or promoting sure. like an, a, a place you know you could work with like a, a venue of some kind and you know could, people do airbnb shit and um, could i get money being an influencer based on my dog Yes. Yes. There are so many. Yeah, Aaron, I don't know why I'm so treating many. that like a joke. Yeah, that's like, <laughs> I, in fact, know yeah. someone who makes money based on their dog. Oh, God. really? Yeah. Tell me their secrets. Huh. I want to do it. I feel like you got to have a lot of energy. <laughs> they were a friend's roommate who had a cute dog, and yeah. their dog gets sent like gifts. Huh. Oh, my God. I feel like you got to be willing to like use the horrible. Uh, devolution of dog internet speak, like mm. hemlo friend, mm -hmm. that that stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I yeah, I just don't have the. I just I yeah, I don't want to do it, but I also want my dog to be sent things. So there's a conflict there. I don't know how to resolve it yet. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll, you'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll come back to that. Yeah. For the majority of the first episode of this show, the contestants are still thinking that they're just going to be a villa, that they're not supposed to be there. And while it is kind of funny, it does make me feel just a tiny bit bad for them. The fact that the producers decided to include so many of the kinds of takes of them reacting to being dropped in the middle of nowhere is a part of the reason that I found this, the show so cringy. 
Because it just really, you know, it's like you really want to see every moment that people are just not enjoying themselves, like in the most uncomfortable like space. They're out of their comfort zone, et cetera. Where did you say they were? No, Cumbria, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So before the contestants were given any tasks, the host decided to make them take out items of their suitcases that they considered essential. And that does not include their Gucci flip-flops or their wigs or party clothes. Why are there Gucci flip-flops? They thought they were going to a villa. No, no, I'm not saying why did they. Oh, why, I'm saying why, why they do they exist? They exist? Yeah, <laughs> they are. Those oh, two things should not. The first not... word in that sentence should clear it up for you, Gucci. <laughs> I didn't watch that movie that came out. That oh. I like mm. Adam Driver and I like Lady Gaga as an actress. I just didn't. I don't. It's you know it was Ridley Scott was such a weird pairing with that movie. It was okay. I learned that was like how I learned about Gucci and like the history of it. I didn't okay. know anything about it before, um, but it was interesting. Yeah, yeah. You have to watch it because Jared Leto plays like a racist character, right. an Italian man. That. <laughs> like, like, he's basically playing like Mario with a mental <laughs> handicap, and it's like the most bizarre like. It's a series of insane choices that Jared Leto. <laughs> That's Even every by movie. Jared Leto standards, oh, okay. it's just All like right. the weirdest fucking. It's nuts. Um, <laughs> the, it, you know how when he was he was a uh, Joker, he had like damaged. Yeah. As part of, does he have like Noki? Exactly. <laughs> or or like pasta? Noki. Exactly. <laughs> it's like that level of weird and racist. <laughs> Yeah, it's a weird, it's a little, it's a little weird movie. Edicini. <laughs> Make it a pizza. <laughs> but a spaghetti. Yeah, I, I need to watch that. Yes. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that might be worth, worth your time. All the yeah. rest of it is like, all right, at best. But fucking Jared Leto, it's his greatest performance ever. It's clinically insane. Like he needs <laughs> something. <laughs> so after the contestants take out what they consider their essentials, Matt and Joel blow up their suitcases. They said they're blowing up their stuff for a couple reasons. To teach them a lesson about adapting and overcoming, about setback, setbacks in life, and simply because we want to. That last part, simply because we want to, is the first of many comments from the host that make you kind of remember, like, oh, right, this is targeted to, like, targeted and is supposed to be entertaining to people who would actually find that funny. I mean, I don't know what you're talking about. I think that there is... There's great joy in blowing things. Why, why, by God, if blowing things up is not fun, how come every culture, every culture has at least one holiday where they blow things up? Even the English, who are cowards and need America to come po pull them out of two world wars, they got one of them holidays. They got them Guy Fox Day where they watch that V from Data. And then they blow up little firecracker. Even they got it. Even the French. French got fireworks. Whoa, 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 whoa. Bastille whoa. Day. They listen to that damn band that I my agree. snowflake nephew listens to. I agree with everything you said about British people there. Racist <laughs> caricature of an anthropomorphized possum. But <laughs> don't say bad things about Bastille Day. No, I love I love me some some uh <laughs> I love me some Bastille Day. I, I was chatting with people at work about uh 
uh, a day I was taking off around then. I was like, yeah, it's just basic. Just treat it like, you know, Bastille Day Eve. And they're like, we're not going to, we're not going to do that. (laughs) (laughs) One of the people who worked on this TV series also worked on The Apprentice. One of the producers. Oh, that makes Mm. sense. One of the executive producers worked on The Apprentice. Reality TV, man. Yeah, makes sense. It's something. Yeah. Because we want to. And the other one worked on The Circle, which is also... Oh, God. The Circle? What is The Circle? Have you guys watched that? Oh, my God. I'll do that next time. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Is that that about Zen? No, it's awful. It's so awful. They make everyone... Okay, so everyone is like in their own apartment. They basically oh, is this don't Dragon leave, Age? but they have to, have to be go into circles. Yeah, exactly. No, they're like connected yeah. by like their TVs essentially. And <laughs> what? It's <laughs> it's like if Logan Paul wrote 1984. Oh god. <laughs> it's the worst thing. Yeah, it's, it's pretty bad. It's if pretty you want to like spiral directly into nihilism with no hope of ever returning, watch the thing. Yeah, I had to. I binged that show during COVID, like the lockdown part of COVID, and I do regret it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I just played uh, Divinity Original Sin too. As as the Lord into as it says yeah. in the Torah. As it says in the Torah, when encountered with one of the biblical plagues, you play yeah. Divinity Original Sin too. Yeah, just get down on some fame. Yeah, the wise yeah. words of Abraham. Exactly, <laughs> wise and learned. You were wise and learned, big, righteous among the nations. Big fan of Larry and Studios. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'm going to tell you guys about the challenges. Yep. <laughs> if you're ready. Yes, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so the first challenge, they were separated into two groups. One group was sent into the woods, and the other was sent to a river. All that the woods group was tasked to do was untie a bag of snacks hanging from the tree that's it just untie the bag of snacks like get the snacks down that's it the river team had to simply swim to the middle the river didn't have a current retrieve a bag of snacks on a floating platform and swim it back it took them all day to this well what the show says all day like who knows actually how long it took them um another challenge early on in the show was, well, first I should say that the host introduced this woman um, to help kind of, she was like good cop, bad cop. So like she the host, Baba you Yaga? know, did she show up? No, in a she's chicken? super badass, super okay. badass lady, like wilderness, um, outdoor survivalist, okay. you know, like expert. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, super badass woman. So she was, they're waiting for them and she was supposed to help the group skin and cut meat off of a deer for dinner okay so like you know the idea of that was to teach the contestants to appreciate where food comes from and the work it takes to prepare it and all that one contestant solomon actually had on camera the light bulb moment where he realized that ribs are ribs and they come (laughs) from an animal like you saw his l- eyes like light up with that realization. And it was really sad that it took him that long. <laughs> and it took him for that instance to realize that that's what they actually are. It's right in the name though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was I, a, yeah. 
I grew yeah. up with kids who thought that Jews didn't use it because they their only exposure to Jews was Fiddler on the Roof. Wow. So I, I mean, not surprised that people don't understand <laughs> where food comes from because yeah. people are pretty. There's a thing that we do as humans where unless it's like right in front of us, we're not going to figure it out. Yeah. Well, and, you know, now with like the whole industry, the food industry, like we're so far removed from where it comes from. Like people yeah. don't get educated, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I, like, I didn't have anything that egregious, but when I was in college, there was a, a dude who was in the, so like agriculture sciences, I think department at Tennessee. And he came back from break with a bunch of ground beef and written on the packages was like Daisy. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. And like that, I think that was the closest I came to it. It was like, Oh yeah. Sometimes you eat people's pets. Mm. <laughs> mm hmm. But that's like, that's going to be the best meat that you have for a long time. Right. Sure. So it's, yeah. 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 <sighs> that is what it is. As I look over at my dog. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Barry. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess, that, you know, I, I thought it was a good challenge for a lot of the group because besides that one guy, they stepped out of their comfort zone. They cut the meat, they skinned it. And it was a good first example of them, like making progress to like change and grow. Did any of them reference Red Dead Redemption 2? And say, this is how I know how to do this because I watched the very detailed animations. Sadly, no. No, sorry. You would have, though, if you were on the show, Aaron. Yeah. (laughs) You should have been on Snowflake Mountain. I should have. (laughs) One girl who's vegan, she decided to remove herself from the challenge because it was against her morals. I, I mean, which I guess sticking to your beliefs is commendable, sure, but she was part persistent that she didn't want to participate even after the woman cat helping with this challenge explained that the deer was hunted ethically to prevent overcrowding and disease in the deer population so you know i'll just leave that there i mean that's that's like a broader question of i'm assuming this person was not a buddhist no (laughs) and no did not object on those grounds, but I'm not. sure she had a ton of opinions about Buddhism, though. <laughs> oh yeah, like bordering on like the weird, like, well, you know, the Buddha was really into crystals, and that's why you open up your chakras when you're sitting. Oh yeah, she's not that kind of person. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. One of the things that led me to I was a vegetarian for a full year of my life, and one of the things that led me out of vegetarianism was a discussion I had with someone else who was like. What do you do with all the cows? What? Let's say like everyone stopped eating cows tomorrow. What happens to them? Well, we, I mean, humans already fucked it up. We create, we have so many more cows, like. And, and they're truly horrific creatures. They destroy entire ecosystems. They have a <laughs> measurable effect on the environment. They're just like. Yeah. A horrible mutant monster we made that's borderline mm-hmm. unfunctional. The only ethical choice if everyone stopped eating beef tomorrow mm. would be to take all those weird bovine fucks <laughs> out into a field and shoot them in the head. <laughs> I I, I want to see you in back in redacted <laughs> in a 
just kind of uh, like a, not a skill share situation, but some just open forum and share this opinion. This is a ranting at city council. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what are you going to do about the cows? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. That's a, I guess that's a. It's yeah. It's not a bad question. I mean, it, yeah. If everyone was a vegetarian tomorrow, cows would be a huge fucking problem immediately. You would have to kill a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, but only because we made it the problem so bad. Yeah, but I mean, it exists. Like you have to do <laughs> yeah. something about it. It's like our fault. I but you have yeah, to I guess so, like by like saying, "Well, it's our fault." And we and what do you? Yeah, no, I, hmm. it's like how you know. I I know a few people who are very very against cats. Yeah. Because okay. cats are pretty destructive to the environment. I'm, I'm kind of one of them. Yeah, and like it, if if you let them outside, they decimate bird populations because they're little murder machines. Yeah, and it's like <laughs> you stop yourself from asking, "Well, what do you propose?" Because the answer <laughs> will make enemies out of vast <laughs> swaths of humanity. <laughs> I propose we do the same thing that French people did in the Middle Ages and just mass murder cats on one day a year. Yes. We take them like to it. the tallest bell tower and throw them off, <laughs> keep the devil away, as was established by the medieval clergy. <laughs> the purge, but for cats only. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I like it. No, I like well, like, I think that's one of the I don't think there's like a bad. I don't think being vegetarian is bad. Like, be vegetarian. Yeah. But I think you have to acknowledge to some extent that, like, the murder of animals is an ethical requirement in the modern day in a way that's mm. really hard to understand. I mean, going back into, like, the deer thing that the yeah. uh, the survivalist was talking to about, the, talking to the vegetarian about, it's like, deers are pretty destructive, or deer are pretty pr- destructive to things and you know for all of the the many laughs i've had about the 30 to 50 feral hogs thing <laughs> hogs are pretty destructive too <laughs> it's you know yeah i mean there's, there's a balance a, for everything yeah there's a reason hunters and hunting is like uh, fine mm-hmm. if it's not done for just dick measuring purposes my thesis here is cows are dog shit and need to be purged <laughs> <laughs> so I over the last several years I've been trying to cut down my meat intake mm-hmm. and restrict it mainly to like chicken. Yeah, chickens uh, are fine. Your your supposition is that I should do my part and reintroduce red meat. No, no, because no, that that's be, what I'm hearing. That that's what I'm hearing. Feed the capitalist hellscape <laughs> that is the beef industry. <laughs> my hypothesis is that you should go into the woods with an illegally purchased firearm (laughs) and just start shooting heads of cattle. (laughs) What if I... That's probably incitement. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I don't want to spend the money. What if I study in detail the images uh, of the guy who assassinated Abe (laughs) and reconstructed his gun so I didn't buy anything? There you go. And then went on my little, my, my, I got to play Hitman, but for cows. Yeah. As long as you wind up in the woods killing several hundred cows a year, <laughs> it's the only way forward. This is my shining golden. There'll <laughs> be some just dairy farmer and meat farmer. I don't know. <laughs> Something's happening with these cows. 
I saw Juacabra. Mm-hmm. The small hairy man roams the woods, <laughs> tearing apart the bovine menace. <laughs> this could be your manifesto. Is against the bovine menace a manifesto? Uh, it's a pretty good title. Yeah. But a problem in the state of New Mexico, where I currently reside, is that killing a head of cattle, just like randomly slaughtering cattle <laughs> in the woods, could technically land you in jail for a very long time, like comparable to murder. That's this is what happens problems. when you allow industry lobbyists into your state legislatures. Fuck yes. Yeah. And some of them are like fucking cattle rustling laws from like <laughs> 1820. Fuck. Yeah. I hate cattle. I fucking hate cattle. That's <laughs> all I have to say. Hey, look, man. I All I'm saying is just cities are the best. You don't see cattle in cities. Um, Are you sure about that? But most of the time. Yeah, I would add. I would add a little asterisk next yeah. to that. Have you seen cattle in redacted? Okay, no, not okay, not like a herd, but like I have <laughs> seen pictures of just like a cow down the just. Oh, yeah, weird times. Really? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Anyway, it sounds like someone lives in an area with a not incredibly restrictive neighborhood association that doubles as a white supremacist front. No. Who do you? Most of the city does, yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, no. Thank God. Fuck yeah. HOAs. No way. Yeah. Anyway. If, if one cow steps foot into Lance's <laughs> edition, they just hit the knife missile button. Oh, yeah. And Raytheon no, just if... explodes their ship in space. If there's like a, if, if the uh, the no drama llama pops up in Irvington, they no just call dozens of cops <laughs> and they just swarm and just blow it to hell. No, the no drama llama is protect <laughs> at all costs, Aaron. <laughs> I, you see I him on the train, protection. that is a good luck omen. Hey, I, I like the llama. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah. Just making sure. Yeah. Llama's good. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Other challenges, which I'm not going to really go into, but we're cutting down a tree with a, an axe, like a handheld axe this big, very sure. small. Learning how to follow Karens along a trail. And how Karen? to use a compass. Oh, Karen's. Karen's. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. You guys know what Karen's are? There was are? a whole challenge that was just seeing if you can notice rocks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Basically, they were like, well, the two groups had to walkie talkie themselves, like, go to this Karen. Okay. I have the instructions for you. You have to go, like, you know, give yeah. the other group instructions and vice versa. Seeing if you can notice rocks. <laughs> yeah. So. At this point, I feel myself leading into the show, starting to root for the contestants. I kind of am starting to want them to succeed and grow. Mm -hmm. Disclaimer, I was also happily stoned out of my mind, but I can't imagine how that would have any impact on how I perceive the show. None yeah. whatsoever. None whatsoever. Yeah. yeah. So I'm jumping over some details, like when they introduce a new campmate, how the rest of the camp finds out that Solomon convinced his group to steal food from the river back from the first challenge. What does that mean? Steal food from the river. So, you know how they each had like the woods group had to get their food from the tree and the river group sure. had to get their snacks from the platform. 
so the river group had like a lot of sweets and like marshmallows and cookies in that bag and they decided to keep it for themselves instead of sharing oh, with the other okay. group i see yeah i thought so, they, they like went down the river to tesco no. shoplifted a bunch of like one pound sandwiches unfortunately no okay those are horrible if you if you ever find yourselves in the uk and you're like oh i just need a quick bite you go into a tesco and you find a one quid sandwich don't don't buy that okay leave it things, be. things have never been going well for me when i'm in a gas station no thinking to <laughs> and, myself what uh, is there to eat i do yeah. have to say gas stations or rest stops in italy and spain they will hook you up with hot sandwiches so good good to they, know yeah they do not disappoint at least there's one nice thing about fascism <laughs> spain is nice well the the bits of spain mm, that i've been to they're most, nice most of spain is nice malaga mm. is a very nice city when did when did franco stop ruling well yeah i'm not look i'm not saying that i was there during franco's rule <laughs> <laughs> not I'm not attributing the very relaxed atmosphere, the lowest stress levels I've felt in my entire life, any of that to Franco, to you be are, clear. You are directly saying that thanks to the hard work of General Francisco Franco, you had a <laughs> lovely vacation. Exactly. No, that was that was a work trip, and I was still the most relaxed I've ever been <laughs> in my life. <laughs> Malaga no, is a wonderful city. Spain sounds yeah. awesome. I'm still yeah. jealous that you went to that. That for, was correct. That's pretty jealous. The, the fucking sidewalks in the city center are marble. What? Marble? Yeah. I, I was wearing nice shoes to walk around and I was sliding all over the place because <laughs> they had no direction. God damn it. They're marble sidewalks. <laughs> yeah, it was great. <sighs> so after the group found out that this guy stole their food, they got the drama out into there. And the punishment for stealing the food was that the group was tasked with emptying out the toilet bins. Mm. Mm. At this point, it feels like the show is very similar to other kinds of outdoor shows in that, like, here's the city folks, let's give them outdoor survival skills. But there's still an aspect of here are entitled Gen Zers and we're going to make fun of uh, we're going to make entertainment out of their whining, which gives you the viewer an inflated sense of self and, and level of comfort because it aligns <laughs> with your views. Yep. Yep. If someone started watching this show to be entertained by people struggling to complete outdoor challenges or survival, struggling to complete outdoor survival tasks, I'd wonder if they would be disappointed by one, how easy the challenges are, and two, how much it makes you end up rooting for them to do well. Hmm. I don't know. That that might just be me. That's a good thought. But you don't forget about the entitled snowflake aspect for long because the hosts see that the camp is falling into a complete state of disaster. There are huge messes in the kitchen area and they're not cleaning up after themselves like the entitled, uh, like the entitled snowflakes the show makes them out to be. The vegan girl, Devin, uses the excuse that because she's vegan, she can't clean dishes with feet, fish or meat on them. Does that make sense to either of you guys? In a sense, because I could see some like very orthodox people refusing to touch pork. Yeah, that's mm, okay. like very, yeah. So I can see it in like that sense, but that's that's like a, I feel like that's a, a, a reach because I'm betting that she's not member of the tribe. It, no, that's not the vibe I get from her. Yeah. So, <laughs> so really, 
it's like she doesn't explain it. She doesn't have any justification other than she's vegan and she can't touch it, which like fine. Yeah, I'm like, I'm not vegan. I don't know. And Shark, you were you were merely a vegetarian. I will so. say that being a best part of the best part of being a vegetarian from the year I was was <laughs> that I did not have to clean up any dish that was that cooked meat in it. Because okay. fucking meat grease is horrific compared to like vegetable <laughs> cooking. Yeah, that's that is that, true. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and I did I didn't even process that until I started eating meat again. And I was like, holy fuck, this bacon pan is disgusting. Yeah, no, that does suck. Like, unless yeah, when back when I was cooking bacon to get like the bacon grease. Yeah. For cooking, Wait, you were cooking, cooking pieces. You were doing I it don't. for the grease. Yep. Yeah, I don't really for? like the taste of bacon itself, but yeah. like the the grease when you put it into like a stew or something adds a little bit of a heftier. Oh, good. Yeah. So like that's why I was doing it, and yeah, just everything that was left over after that grease was just horrible. Yeah, it's not fun. No. Clean. No. Okay. So okay, that's fine. I guess I took a harder stance. On my opinion of her after that. hardline orthodoxy <laughs> approach, tanky Rachel Zengowski. I was just like, what the? F- okay, sure. Straight up Maoist <laughs> over here. <laughs> uh, one of the guys' tents was so gross with food and clothes and garbage everywhere that they found a rat under one of the cots. Hell yeah! A lot of them That's said, how you "Oh, get I'm by not." The bears. Yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> They were like, oh, I'm not used to cleaning up after myself or the cleaning life isn't for me. Like, okay. Thank you for reminding me. I had a roommate like that. Oh, God, really? Yeah. That sounds it was, awesome. It was not good. About three about, about three feet long, kind of hairy lying on the couch right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will have you know that my dog son is very clean. Oh. Like he he do, he does not mess around in mud. He jumps over mud <laughs> on walks. Must avoid at all costs. Must avoid Bar- at all costs. Barry is an Orthodox member of the tribe, though. <laughs> he is. So. He is. He is Reb Barry, formerly a frog, a wise and learned dog. <laughs> he had his Talmud, you know, education from the Rebbe of Prague, and he has carried that that lineage now and uh you know he has a lot of thoughts that's one of the reasons i stopped making bacon was uh he gave me these looks he's just very dissatisfied and like you you have a mezuzah on your door and yet you make bacon in the apartment i'm now imagining barry of prague in a yarmulke making a golem (laughs) tail wagging So their next challenge was taking care of chickens. It was not so much about taking care of the chickens, like as it was about having the responsibility and taking care of another living thing that is completely dependent on you. Right. So all they have to do is just create a schedule to rotate taking care of the coop. And this includes watching it overnight. The two campers, Randy and Deandra, who have the night shift, have their binoculars out. They're looking around for like 20 minutes and decide, I'm bored. I don't see any foxes. So I think we can call it a night and go to bed. Quote, if Mrs. O'Nuggets gets eaten, that's her destiny. They named Mrs. O'Nuggets. Yep. All right. That's pretty good. Yep. So (laughs) 
That's her destiny. (laughs) (laughs) Who am I I to stand in the wheel of karma? Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's. Yeah. They made their choice and it was the wrong one. Mm -hmm. So they failed as a group and now they get punished as a group. So they failed to take the responsibility that the host gave them. And now, according to Matt and Joel, they have no choice but to follow direct orders. The host decided to treat the contestants like they are in the military. Early wake-up call, one minute to get changed and outside, lots of yelling, making them plank outside while they're waiting for the rest of the group to come out. So at this, like the point of this was trying to make, uh, teach them to take accountability for their actions and they need to take responsibility for their mistakes. So as punishment, they made them do just random workouts. The host kept saying, the why does not matter. That's, um, that sounds like military from what yeah. I know. Yeah. So every time someone complained or was slow or didn't want to do something, they took $1,000 off the prize pot. Jesus. Mm-hmm. So again, I'm <laughs> jumping over some details here where they work with people one-on-one like Devin, the vegan girl, um, trying to get to the root of like their problems. So like for her, why she's so confrontational, how she needs to learn how to not have such a hard exterior, etc. cetera. Uh, they keep pushing themselves and they eventually make it through the day ending with a prize pot at $35,000. Most of the contestants do seem to understand that things are challenging, but it's a part of the growth process. And they're also helping each other reflect on their behaviors and like accept that they need to change their attitude and emotion if they really want to take anything away from this experience. Yeah, it is fine. The last two episodes are about the final challenge, hiking up a mountain. At this point, most everyone you're, you're is positive. You're referring to that thing that I think most of us do for fun. Uh huh. Even uh-huh. I yeah. do that sometimes. You do, Aaron. I didn't know that you hiked. I've been up. Uh, I mean, like summited, but I've been around like Adams. Oh, okay. Hell um, yeah. Been around Hood for a little bit. Uh, Aaron, famed hater of nature, even. Yeah. No, I, I, you know, I can take nature in small doses. Nice. <laughs> on, okay. my, on my birthday, I went out to the coast and went hiking in, a, in one of the state parks for a while. Very nice. I'm impressed. Occasionally, okay. you can be around trees. They're not so bad every now and then. Every now and then. <laughs> Limited exposure. That's fair. At least you're getting out there once in a while. Once in a while. Yeah. I've cool. been through a cave. Speaking of caves, I just listened to the well. There's your problem about the cave. Uh, <laughs> that cave, one's a like, fun one. Disasters. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. I would I simply it. not go into the cave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's a good episode. Yeah. Anyway, so at this point, everyone's like really positive while apprehensive. They're ready to take on the mountain. Um, some people are really. What scared mountain of, is it? Do you know? Um, they didn't say specifically. And it's not like a classic peak mountain. Yeah, because like Cumbria more... is not really crag. It's it's the Appalachia kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So at like what they get up to is like um just I don't know, it just looks looks like a really, really high point with like a flat top, but it's not a singular mountain. It's just a high point in this. So like a tree line? um i don't remember actually sure you're making (laughs) i see you rambling but there's no sound the highest mountain in england is 3200 feet it's barely a hill 
yeah it's yeah. barely yeah yeah they say a mountain but it's yeah like it is that is that the one in wales or are they just going england i think, I think just, it's just england, england. Yeah. it's okay. called scoffle peak or something some fucking unpronounceable english bullshit <laughs> <laughs> it's also it is in cumbria okay that might be it then. yeah okay yeah i didn't take the time to look up what mountain it was so thank you there's fucking <laughs> 32 th- this is just the tallest one in all of england and wow 32 i can oh scaffold peak yeah i fucking hike oh shit i've been 000. up that i, I did that on 000. accident when i got distracted <laughs> like i went up, i went that so i went out to this this uh i was in kyoto a while ago and uh there was a, a thing called Mount Hie. And I was like, oh, that'll be fun. Because I, I I got the conversion from meters to feet wrong. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, it was around that. It might have been a little less, but I'm not sure. So I was like just there in like dress shoes, a suit jacket, like a, a sports jacket, and a couple bottles of water. And I was just like very tired. Was this just a couple years ago? Yeah, I think I remember when you said like you you were yep. there and you were like I'm gonna go on this hike or yep. whatever. Nice, okay. Yeah, <laughs> shit. Even the one like I went on in Hong Kong with a few of our like co- coworkers at the time was about the same as this. I, I did more elevation gain today on my mountain bike. <laughs> <laughs> it took me an hour and a half. Well, you, you it, you've seen Spinal Tap, right? I have. It's like the scene where where she's like, "Well, this says four, four, uh, four inches," and the response is, "Well, you're not as confused as Nigel, are you?" And I feel like there's an element of that. It's like you're just you're you're not as as daft as these people, are you? <laughs> yep. Like holy shit, God, I fucking God, rich people. Yeah, I think that's ultimately well. I'm, I'm, we'll we'll get. I'm assuming there will be time for more discussion about this later. But so they descend or descend ascend. They start their hike, slow going for a while. There are some people in the group that are a little bit heavier set. You're they're kind of building it, so it's like you make that like they make the viewer uh, kind of like nervous for them that you know someone's not going to complete the challenge. So it's still going for a while, but everyone did all right. And once they are close to their base camp, first of all, they have a base camp to like have it for the night. And then they summit summit the next day. So they're making this like into a large thing. But like base we just said, it's not like really 2,500 feet. Yes. Base camp for something that you can see. Yeah. The top yeah, yeah. of. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> so one contestant, Carl, felt his knee start to lock up. The medic took a look at it and said that he needed to turn back. He, Carl did not like this and couldn't accept it. He wanted to keep going, but the show said no. So he freaked out. He swung his pack, like took it off, hit it on a rock, dislocated his shoulder, and then fell and popped his knee out of place. The one that was hurting. What? <laughs> uh-huh. So then... He got carried off by a 16-man rescue team and was unable to complete the challenge. So, yeah. The group kept going and continued to climb and made it. uh, They stopped at base camp for the night. And then the next day, they kept going and continued to climb and made it to the top. 
The host said, it's a good reminder of the fact that you don't know what someone is capable of until you give them a chance, which was super refreshing from someone who called people snowflakes. I, for one, was surprised that all of the contestants, except for Carl, were able to make it through the full length of the hike because, like I said, there were some, like, overweight people and they didn't have much confidence going into it. But once they got to the top, they were, like, super, like, super excited, really owning it. And it was, like, just nice to see. So, here. did the host call them snowflakes during? No, I don't think they ever said it directly to their face. Maybe like a handful of times over the course of the show, but not like consistently. But the subtitles did. It was like snowflakes laugh, snowflakes <laughs> cry. <laughs> yeah. So, Right. Um, yeah, so they were all able to make it except for Carl, the full length of the hike. Once they returned to camp, the host surprised them with their suitcases and all of the stuff that they pretended to blow up in the beginning of the show, which reminded everyone, or which made everyone realize how materialistic they were going into the show. In the end, the host choose, uh, chose three finalists, and the remaining contestants, who were not the finalists, voted for the winner out of those three. And the winner won the full pot of $50,000. So before the start of the hike, the hosts like got everyone together and was like, even though you were down to, you know, 35,000, we're, you know, surprise, it's back up to 50. So it's all just like a fucking mind game, right? Yep. So I'm not going to give any spoilers. I'm not going to say who won. Spoilers. Yeah. Spoilers. So my final thoughts. Uh, I definitely had negative, like preconceived notions, what the show is going to be about just based on the title and the preview and pretty much all of episode one, but all in all, it wasn't, (laughs) it wasn't as bad as I was expecting it to be. Like, I remember when, like a couple months ago, when I saw the show on Netflix, I saw the title, I immediately recognized that it was like making fun of people you know like using the term snowflakes forever i'm like "Mm, nope and like kept going so it wasn't as bad as i was expecting it to be um ringing endorsement you know what yes it is okay because a lot of people also feel like they saw it like on the list of in netflix and they're like "Mm, well i'll get to that thing okay So, like I said, kind of throughout all of this, while the contestants themselves are just generally spoiled, annoying city people, by midway through the show, it seemed like there was more attention and focus on the objective of trying to make them, like, grow and face their fears and push themselves and change in a positive way, which was really refreshing, and I was not expecting it at all. So, I also want to make it clear that I left out a lot of the reality TV aspects. There's definitely a lot of drama. Solomon, the guy I mentioned earlier, is the most dramatic, self-centered human. He causes so many problems. They have a place called Last Chance Lake, where two contestants have to make it through the night, sleeping outside under what is essentially like a little lean-to made out of sticks. Um, They get brought out there at like 10 p.m., and all they have to do is just sleep and make it to the next morning. But they make it into this whole thing. Yeah. There was a potential romance between Randy and Devin. They barely oh, you know, had... when you're, you're put into a, a, a situation of incredible hardship. Yeah, it really brings people together, you know? Yeah. 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 If you're 
put into a situation that I routinely do for vacation. It really, <laughs> really bonds you. Oh, I know. So they barely had any alone time together with each other. And they basically like only had like a cordial friendship. But the entire cast, including the editors, were like shipping them extremely hard. Even when Devin explicitly said that she had no attraction or interest in Randy. <laughs> you guys know what the, you know what shipping means, going right? like kiss, <laughs> kiss. Yeah. yes yeah exactly yeah um yeah so that was just like it, you know it makes me just want to close my eyes it's just like the yin and yang of the 2020s reality television um but so um as i was like reading researching about this show it was interesting reading the reddit thread because 99% of the posts were about how it was tone deaf, how people couldn't get through the preview because they don't want to watch spoiled brat adults, or how their wives were watching it and they couldn't be stand to be in the same room. So I'm wondering like where on the political spectrum you have to be in order to see the title of the show, decide to try it, and then actually make it through the first episode. And right. Well, you did. Well, for there was a reason behind it. <laughs> I didn't choose to on the on the first first go around. <laughs> so, a lot of the comments were similar to this one that said, "Was anybody else kind of disappointed with how hard quote unquote they were on the snowflakes?" I sound like I'm bashing the show, but honestly, I completed it. It was entertaining. I just think they played up how tough it was. They literally did nothing that I didn't do as a nine year old in Boy Scouts. Which is true. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Another Reddit comment, which turns like this whole thing on its head was all I could think was, please, could someone send me to this perfect remote mountain oasis? Do I have to act more like a snowflake to make this happen? Snowflakes do get everything handed to them. (laughs) Yeah. And honestly, I agree. The location, the camp setup, the teaching of basic camp and outdoor wilderness schools with something or skills is something that I would very much like to partake in. So I agree. I want someone to set up a nice camp, you know, for me and teach me outdoor skills. So in a mm. nutshell, that is the show Snowflake Mountain. What are your thoughts? Any final feelings? I, I will not be watching this show. <laughs> But uh, I will continue watching my 90s sci-fi with Babylon 5 <laughs> rewatch again. I don't blame you. Yeah. 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 Uh, I'd like, I, I don't know. I kept throughout this, I was thinking about there, there have been like two or three reality shows that I've enjoyed. One was Survivor Man with Les Stroud. I think okay. his name was. And he was like Bear, Bear, Bear Grylls, but not weird. I mean, it was kind of weird because he was a survival dude, but it was just him and a camera. Not like as gimmicky as Bear Girls. Yeah. Yeah. And he always like kept off an episode by playing harmonica. That was nice. Um, then like I liked <laughs> there were elements of like kitchen nightmares or whatever the one where Gordon Ramsay goes to a restaurant and tries to save it that I liked. Okay. Yeah. And then fair. and then uh the the new one with Nathan Fielder, the rehearsal, which isn't really a a reality show, but kind of is. What is that on, by the way? It's HBO. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, it's really, really good. Hmm. Really, really, really 
you you see it's very very redacted okay there's a there's like the whole premise is like he helps people like obsessively rehearse for things that they have to do in life and (laughs) one guy's task is to uh convince his brother to allow him to be on their grandfather's will again and part of the stipulation of the will was that this guy couldn't marry or go out with a grave digger or uh, not gold digger <laughs> no i want it to be and, a grave digger <laughs> <laughs> well and so there's a scene where like fielder hires this actor to portray the guy's brother and they're sitting down in this replica of a fast food chicken restaurant they always go to <laughs> And the brother, the, the actor playing the brother is like, I just don't know about your girlfriend, man. She just seems like she's in it only for money. And the guy's like, no, man, she's just a Jew. That's how they are. And Fielder <laughs> the, the like goes, hey, I don't want to, I don't want to like try and influence the way that you speak because this should be like you interact, but that's really anti-Semitic. And the guy goes, no, man, that's just how it is. She's just a Jew. And he goes, that you, are you listening that's just really anti-Semitic. I'm not trying to influence you. I just want you to know that. And the guy goes, okay, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> that's awesome. So you get these weird glimpses into people. Yep. <laughs> strange, strange man, Nathan Fielder. He is a very strange man. I think that's one of the reasons I like this show. <laughs> yeah, that, those are the only ones that I've ever attached to. Shark, do you have a thing? Do you have a show? Um, I like the like crafting reality shows mm. where it's like we got fucking eight blacksmiths together, some bullshit like yeah. that. <laughs> I could yeah, watch those. Right. All I appreciate the, those like, too. Blown away slaps, forged in fire slaps, all those like Netflix <laughs> shows about people making stuff in ovens. Big fan. <laughs> does yeah. that does that creep into like the baking cooking reality shows? Oh, or absolutely. No? I yes. Times, yeah. I'm like addicted to cooking shows. Have you seen yeah. the Chocolatier one? Oh my god, that guy's a fucking the school genius. of chocolate. Yeah, yes. yeah, it's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> but my main my main takeaway from the Snowflake Mountain journey is that like one of the things that like gets me about the whole Snowflake discourse is how it's by the like most sensitive people in the world. Who call people yeah. snowflakes? Yes. And it's like clearly made for people who also couldn't complete those challenges to sit at home and call someone a snowflake for not completing those challenges. Yeah. The Bass Pro Shop crowd. Yes. Because like I am avidly outdoors. I backpack, I mountain bike, I hike, and I'm not going to fucking sit through a whole show about someone trying to swim to the middle of a currentless river. There's just like nothing <laughs> for me there. Unless I was really, really high. Then I might. Yeah. But then I'm not making fun of anybody. Exactly. It did help me get through the show, but then I'm like rooting for them. So yeah. it's like, mm. you got to pick one. Yeah. So what was your takeaway from the, the hosts? Like, did they... What's your read on that? Um... I mean, they we could start a reality fine. show called Chud or Not. <laughs> <laughs> like they were, I mean, they were fine. Like yeah. they, the comments, like some of them, I feel like were like intentionally like 
they threw in like the snowflake language and more like intentional, like bring it back to that like premise Mm. of like, we're trying to like maybe make fun of these people or like make them feel bad or I don't really know what the point is there, but um, so using that language, but besides that, they seemed like, you know, nice enough people. One of the guys, I don't remember which one it was. um, He actually seemed like genuine and wanting to help these people. So like, they didn't seem like bad people. Okay. or whatever but just right. fine white white guys you know yeah okay yeah. so so here's my pitch though we create our own show and pitch it to netflix called snowflake city where you two take eight rugged conservative outdoorsmen and teach them to work in tech middle management in that sounds that sounds like a winner right there no, look okay you can't say that on a conference call what do you mean i can't say that no no exactly that level you're dealing with people from korea that's not how their culture works no camouflage t-shirts in the office you're not in engineering. You can't wear that level of weird shirt. <laughs> That's just... <laughs> it's just you trying to explain to eight people you went to high school with what a food cart pot, food cart pot is. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't know why you need so many options for a, for a Mexican truck. All you need is taco and burrito. What's, what's a sushi burrito? Yeah. <laughs> I'm still perplexed by that. They're delicious. Yeah, I've had them. I just, it, there's just a little like short in my brain. That's my pitch. Netflix, call like me it. up. We'll watch I like the it. show. Yeah, I like this, it. I, I'm looking forward to seeing Shark the producer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's my true calling, paying yeah. people to make movies. <laughs> I was at a party the other night and I was talking to this girl and she was like, yeah, I was like, oh, cool. You're an artist. And she was like, yeah, I am. And I was like, what do you do? And she was like, I just really want to like be a movie producer. And I was like, the fuck is that? Like it came out of my mouth <laughs> or I like remembered that I was talking to another human being. I was like, fuck does a movie producer do? <laughs> and she was like, you know, you like, get the money together and you make sure everything's working and i was like how the fuck is that art wait yeah so that just sounds like project management yeah Yeah, it is yeah yeah see my name leo bloom and lights i want to be a producer (laughs) it's everything i'm not Aaron, i didn't think that you liked musicals i like the producers and i like fiddler on the roof Mm, okay (laughs) Aaron has created a, an intense hierarchy of every musical's Jewishness, and those were the yeah, top. Clearly, <laughs> clearly. Cabaret is surprisingly up there. I watched that for the first time recently, and I mean, it's not really high on Jewishness, but it takes place in 1933, so, you know. <laughs> it's, high, uh, it's high on the level of the people who are next to your people yeah. in the concentration camps. It's, exactly. It's got, exactly. It's got the queers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so many. Yeah. <laughs> Famed yeah. Scotty Pippen of the Holocaust, gay people. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, tell me I'm wrong. I, I'm not going to comment on that. I, I don't. That that's like right up there with doing like the the genocide Olympics. <laughs> well, your guy killed that many people. Wow. My guy only killed this many. In in the genocide Olympics, it is fair to say that the number one feeder school is Harvard. <laughs> this is true. A lot of professional people go pro in genocide from the <laughs> Ivies. Absolutely. <laughs> Rachel's sitting there like I just wanted to talk about reality TV and they brought it back to genocide. No, I'm <laughs> you know, that's what I agreed to this podcast because of that. Because you bring it back to genocide. That's actually what I like talking about. You better open up like one of the last calls you're on. <laughs> it was like, hey guys, I wanted to talk about genocide for a bit <laughs> before we get started with regular business. <laughs> Well, I can now. I'm gonna be gone in two months. Exactly. <laughs> Just open it up with. <laughs> so right now, you know, have you ever heard of a, a deep cut called the Hologomer? <laughs> oh god, I don't think they're ready for that. Probably. Ask, ask them who was the Scotty Pippen of the Holocaust. <laughs> That's yeah. an icebreaker. There you, you go. Do that at work. That's an icebreaker. <laughs> in your opinion, who is the yeah. Scotty Pippen of the Holocaust? Yeah. <laughs> If you were one member of Hitler's cabinet, who would you be? Oh, God. Game pronouns. I was, I was talking to someone the other day who was another, another Jewish person, <laughs> and I was. She was asking who Alex Jones is. Oh God! And I was like, he's like, he's like a really, really dumb and shitty Goebbels. <laughs> She's like, who's Goebbels? I was like, how do you? What? <laughs> There's so many things I have to explain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, Goebbels. <laughs> a hilarious name, terrifying man. It is. And so, I, I feel like that's one of those names that is easily, easy, easily misconstrued because it's like that prime weird s- slice of German where nothing about it makes sense vowels wise. No. Mm. Also, like Joseph Joey Goebbels just sounds like Joey a kid's G. cartoon character. Yeah. Yeah. He sounds like like the weird skinny guy in a group of friends. No, that explains really that's much. that's accurate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's Joey G. <laughs> Joey G in the three R's. Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh man. Oh, <laughs> Oh, yeah. You gotta you gotta wrap the podcast up by talking about Nazis. That's what the people don't come for. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah. Well, that's that's all I got for you all today. Right. Nice. Um, that's solid. I thought we were gonna literally gonna be talking about uh scientific facts about snowflakes. <laughs> that's what I was envisioning. Not subjecting you to that like, today. Just going over climatology reports. <laughs> Not all snowflakes are different. Fun science fact about snowflakes. I'm sorry, but I was told throughout my entire life that each snowflake is. Uh, they aren't. Well, you just had your Perry Mason moment right there, didn't you? Yeah, 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 I did. Yeah. <laughs> I have won the podcast, and now we can all go home. <laughs> <laughs>